You are listening to Press Church Podcasts. Please enjoy this week's message. I want to take this month and highlight and talk to you on why, for those who know or those who don't know and those who forgot, why we are called Press Church. I want to talk about over the next three weeks after this, our three core values and why me as a pastor does the things that I do in regards to this church, the decisions that we make in leadership here on why we do it. And it's all based off of scripture. It's all based off of things that I feel like God has shown to me to make this church different than the other churches but also identical to the church family of God because we're tied into what the Scripture says. So today, I just want to highlight and talk about why we are called Press Church and talk about the Scripture specifically on why I called us Press Church. And the Scripture that it is based out of, the name of this church is Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And it says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, when reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Verse 14, here it is, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. Let me go back. I didn't put that in there. Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 12, the scripture before. In the scriptures, it's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And as a young kid, I was taught God eats potato chips on how to remember how to get to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So hopefully that helps you and sticks in your brain because it has in mind. Verse 12 says, not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. That Paul is telling the church in Philippi that he hasn't, he hasn't figured out everything that God has for him. He hasn't been uh, perfected in his walk of life yet. He's still working things out. He's still got a goal. He's still got a mission. He's still got a purpose to obtain the things that God has for him. He's not talking about his salvation. He has obtained his salvation. He is perfect in Christ. He is those things. But as he's going through the journey of life, the sanctification of life, as he's trying to renew his mind, remember Paul speaks about the things that I don't want to do, I do. The things that I do want to do, I don't do. And there's this just, you can see this internal scream as Paul is writing that letter. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. Now, this is a man, the same man, out of the same breath, said in the scriptures, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. It's a pretty bold statement to say. This is the same man when he's talking in 2 Corinthians, he says, I was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. I was trained by the best. I, I, I studied the law. I knew the law. Backwards, forwards, upside, downside. I knew all of these things. He's writing these letters to these churches, being inspired by God to encourage and build the Gentile church, not knowing that these were going to become Bible, that people many, many, many years down the road would be reading He's just writing from being inspired by God to get these churches, these letters, to grow them and help them. And he's expressing his feelings, his frustrations, the things that he's encountering. He says, I've gone through all of these things. 
I haven't, I haven't made it yet. I'm still learning the things of God. But he says, one thing that I do, one thing that I know, the three things that we're going to highlight and talk about today is he's, I've learned and I make it a priority to let go of those things in the past, to reach forward for those things in the future, and in the present, I'm going to constantly be pressing toward the thought and the process of getting as close to Jesus as I can. I haven't been perfected yet. I still mess up every once in a while. I still stumble. I still do these things. But my goal in life is to press as close as I can to Jesus until I'm on the other side and I can wrap my hands around him. There's a movie that we've probably all seen, if not we've heard of, called Back to the Future. And there's three different movies. And the premise of it is that Doc and Marty McFly, they discover the secret to time travel. The DeLorean, what is it, 88 point something miles per hour, and then boom, there they go into the future. But the thing is, as they go into the future, they go into the past, they keep messing things up for the present. They spend these three movies constantly going into the past to repair the present, so they won't destroy the future. Remember, in one of the Back to the Futures, Marty McFly had a picture of his family. And everything that they would do, he would look at the picture, and one of his siblings would disappear. And then somebody else would start fading away as they were trying to fix and figure out, how can I recover whatever happened in the past so I don't make that same mistake when I step into my future and whatever I have left here on this time? Humanity, we all are constantly trying to remember or hold on to our past so that we can figure out how to fix our present so that we don't repeat the same mistakes in our future. So in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, I want to highlight forgetting what's behind. He says, one thing I know, one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind. In the Greek, the word forgetting means to forget, no longer caring for, or to give over, I love this part of the definition, give over into oblivion. That there are things in our lives that we have done in the past that we're not proud of. Or we're the, the high school quarterback who's still living in the past. We're still living, wearing the Letterman jacket. We're Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite, if you ever saw that movie. Just wants to throw that one more pass. He's just going to keep filming it. And whoever shows up at his... Tra his trailer car, I don't know what he's driving, that whatever car that thing is, he just wants you to come in and sit down and watch the videos of him throwing. He said, boy, if I could have thrown it right, we would have won state. I could throw that pigskin a quarter mile, he says, right over those mountains. That we get tied and we get pulled back into the, future, into the past that holds us back from being who God wants us to be. And Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, and he's writing to the church of the Gentiles, and he's talking to us today. He's saying, make it a priority to forget what's behind you, to no longer care for. Maybe it's just me, but I'm pretty sure it happens with you as well, that we, we lay in bed and we rehash the day. Well, my boss told me this, and I got an email that said this. I should have said this. I got a text message from my family, and it said this, this, and this, and I should have said this instead of that. Somebody drives by and cuts you off. You say, well, I shouldn't have waved with all my fingers. I should have waved with one finger. I should have got back at them. 
that we dwell and we care and we get worried and eaten up about what has happened in the past. But it says here in the Scriptures that He encourages us to forget what's behind, to no longer care about it, to no longer be controlled by it, and to give it over into oblivion to where it doesn't bother you anymore, to where when you see that person that hurts you, something doesn't rise up into your belly, that sick feeling, that gross feeling, that angry feeling, that when you pass by that specific place, that old church, that old job, that old place, that old house you drive by, it doesn't just gnarl you inside and say, I can't believe they did that to me, to let it go into oblivion. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18, 19, and then we'll drop down to verse 25. In 18, it says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Verse 19, this is God speaking to the prophet Isaiah. He says, behold, I will do a new thing, and now, right now, even in this moment, it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? God is saying today, I will even make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert. Verse 25, God is still speaking. He says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Sounds like, at least in the Scriptures, that that God got over his anger. He was mad. I'm not going to lie to you. You read the Old Testament, there is an angry God in the Old Testament. And he was killing a lot of people as he was protecting his old covenant with his people, the Israelites. But God made a decision when the new covenant came. He says, I'm going to let go of the past. I'm going to forget the past. I'm going to forget all of your sins, all of your transgressions. All of those things, I'm going to choose to forget that past and let it go. So if God has let go of your sins, your faults, your failures, isn't it about time that you do the same? If God's not mad about your sins, faults, and failures, He has forgiven them, He has forgotten them, and He has let them go by the blood of Jesus and released them into oblivion. As far as the east is from the west, the Scripture says, isn't it about time that little old you release it too. Forgive yourself for what you did in the past and let it go. Forgive those people for what they did and let it go. Let the past be the past and quit driving it and bringing it back up into the present to where it's going to affect your future going forward. When I was younger, I was homeschooled from kindergarten up until eighth grade, then went to public school throughout high school and then college. And when I was in middle school, I think, uh, my mom signed us up for a spelling bee, a homeschool spelling bee. This story cannot get any better after those words right there. And so mom uh, would constantly sign us up for things, and somehow, one way or another, we would always end up on stage. I remember uh, going to these different churches with this homeschool group and memorizing these large chunks of Scripture uh, and, and putting on, you know, a, a little kitty shirt and tie and going up on stage in front of, of however many tens to hundreds of people and quoting these memorized Scriptures. And I remember standing up in front of people being terrified of talking with people. 
shaking in my boots, forgetting my words. I remember uh, there was one church we went to, uh, and the mayor was there. I don't even know how the mayor came to the homeschooled uh, scripture reading. I don't even know what the event was. And we had to quote these scriptures and, and, and these speeches in front of the mayor and the people. And mom decided one day that she was going to put us in a spelling bee. My older brother, who's so much smarter than me, uh, he is a pharmacist in New York City. Uh, he's, uh, he's got many, many degrees, um, and, uh, and he's brilliant. He, he, he passed the, uh, the spelling bee with flying colors and went to state or something like that. He didn't make it to nationals, but he went pretty far in the competition. I get brought into this back room with this woman sitting at a desk with a dictionary or something, and there's two or three other kids with me, and mom and the, and the moms of these three other kids sit in the back part of the room. And mom says, hey, you need to go up there to the front of the, the church room, wherever it was at, with the other kids. So we stand up there in the line, and I am shaking, I am nervous, I am terrified, I am praying that the rapture happens and takes me uh, before any of these things happen. No, nope, there was three kids. I remember there were three, three kids. You'll, you'll find out that story in a second. And as I'm standing there, the lady says, okay, we're going to start with the kid at the end, which was me, and she says, you're going to spell the first word. And I look at my mom with pure dread, saying, I can't believe you did this to me. Look at all of these people. There were six people, maybe 10 people in the room, and I am going to die. And the lady looks at me, and she says, your first word is case. The word is case. She says, repeat the word back to me and then spell it. I said, case. And as my brain was racking, as I was standing in front of the largest crowd in history, in my mind, I start with trembled voice saying, C-A-S-S, case. And the lady said, no, no, that's not right. I said, okay. She says, you can go sit with your mom. I said, okay, thank God. So I go and I sit with my mom and she hugs me and, and uh, is outwardly probably uh, trying to console me. Inwardly, she's probably embarrassed uh, that her son can't spell case. For those who think that I can, it's C-A-S-E. I know that. You're, you're wondering it now. Can he spell it still? Uh, yes, I know how to spell it now. At the end of uh, the event, uh, I get called up to the front again because I placed third because there was only three of us <laughs> in the homeschool spelling bee. So somewhere, uh, I believe in my parents' house, is a spelling bee certificate or uh, ribbon uh, for me playing, placing third in fifth grade spelling bee when I was the first one out, didn't even spell the word. Uh, that's homeschooled for you. But I had this fear for a very, very, very long time, and I'm not going to lie to you, it still presents itself, that I hate public speaking. Don't like it, don't like getting up in front of people, don't like talking, don't enjoy it. Uh, it is very nerve-wracking, uh, and uh, if you would like to come up here and try it, please be my guest. It's very, very fun, no matter how big or small the crowd is, to get up here and, and to share and bear your soul uh, and talk about things um, is, uh, is, is fun. It's a blessing. And that's how I know that God has a sense of humor, because he called me. And the only way that I can get up here and do this is by His grace. You think that me praying before I preach is for you. No, no, no. Me, pray, me, me praying is for me to get my mind right and get the Holy Spirit with me to help me stay up here and preach and talk to you all. 
But I had to at some point, knowing that God has called me to be a minister, to be in ministry for now 10 years and getting up and speaking in front of so many different people in so many different states and even different nations to have the opportunity to preach and speak, I've had to let go of the past. The fear that I had as a little boy when it came to public speaking and standing up, I had to let it go because if I let it paralyze and cripple me, I would not be standing up here today I would be hiding in the back part of my house as a hermit crab that I try to do away from people. But God being so gracious and helping me, I also had to make the choice. I'm going to give that fear. I'm not going to care about that fear anymore. If God is on my side, he will help me do the things that I don't think that I'm capable to do on my own. I have given it over to oblivion. I'm going to get up every time God tells me to speak. I'm going to speak and speak and say what he tells me to say, knowing people in the crowd may or may not like it, but I'm going to obey my father because I'm not going to let my past affect my present, which is going to ultimately affect my future going forward. We have got to learn, and you have got to learn to let go Of the past. It's time to forgive. It's time to move on and give that pain over into oblivion and no longer care about what happened in the past so God can use you now in your remaining future. The second part of that scripture in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 says, One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. It's very hard for me to reach forward for something if I'm holding on to something in the back. One thing I've got to let go one way or the other. If I'm teetering on the, on, on, on the line of life, about to fall in the present, I've got to either let go of the past and grab full on to the future and what God has for me, or I've got to let go of my future and cuddle around that fear that I'm dealing with in the past. We've got to reach forward. That word reach in the Greek means to stretch out or towards one self forward, to stretch out to or towards oneself forward. Psalms 34, verses 13 and 14. Psalms 34, verses 13 and 14 says, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Can you give me a caveat? If somebody cuts me off, if somebody at work says something, if I get that stupid email from somebody, that I, I, I have that, that instant thing that I can spit back at you, When my wife says something across the room and I say, what'd you say? Because I'm ready. I've got that arrow ready and drawn and ready to just release it. I've got the perfect quip. I've got the perfect thing. The scripture here says, keep your tongue from evil. You make it sound so easy. And your lips from speaking deceit. Verse 14, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. That there are things in your life that are causing you to worry, that are causing you to fear, that are causing you to take your eyes off of God and what he has for you and what he's planned for you. And it's time, like the scripture says, for you to seek peace and not only seek it, but pursue it. We all played the game as a kid, hide and go seek. Close your eyes, count, all the other kids would go hide. The game does not end when I find you. The game ends when I tag you. So first I have to seek you, and then I have to pursue you to be able to get a hold of and win 
the game, that it's important in your life to find out what are you seeking, what are you pursuing, what are you going after, what's driving you, and is it God-focused and is it God-centered? Seek peace and pursue it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 22 and 23 says, flee also youthful lust. This is Paul writing to his son in the faith, the last book that we believe Paul wrote um, that is in the scriptures as he's writing to his young minister and he's encouraging him as he's about to die, he's about to leave the earth. He's, he's trying to say all the information that he can to get to Timothy so that he can help him have a successful future once he's gone. And he says, flee youthful lust. But look at this, pursue, what, do we should, what should we be pursuing? Righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Verse 23 says, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes knowing that they generate strife. Look at the things that we should be pursuing, the things that we should be seeking, the things that we should be looking forward to. Is not, is the economy going to fail? Who's going to be the next president? What are the laws going to be? How's this country going to do this? How's this country going to do that? What's my finances? What's my job? What's my marriage? We don't need to be pursuing the negative side of things. What we need to be pursuing is righteousness, peace, faith, and pursuing those who love and are called according to the Lord. Another scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I love this scripture. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I love this scripture because it makes a statement. It gives us a definition of what faith is. Faith is. If you read any type of book when you're in college, they would usually have the word uh, in bold, and then whatever the next statement was, was the definition of it. So we read about faith all throughout the scriptures. But in Hebrews chapter 11, we see the definition of faith And what we can understand faith is, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, looking forward to the future, the evidence of things not seen. I can see and understand what's happened in my past. I can see what's happening in my present right now. But that's not faith. Faith is seeing what's not there yet. Knowing and reaching forward to what God has for you. Standing on a scripture knowing I might feel sickness in my body, but the Scripture says that by Jesus' stripes I am healed. That is faith. I don't see the healing. I don't feel my body getting better, but I'm reaching for what's for, knowing that healing is obtainable and that healing is for me. And the Scripture says now faith is that you could have come in today not believing in God, not believing in Jesus, not believing in who he is, who he was, and who he can be in your life, but at any point in time you can make the decision and read the scriptures and say, now, right now, my situation is changing because my life is not lining up to the word of God, so therefore I'm going to believe by faith that these scriptures are going to manifest into my life and I'm going to see my future change. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're reaching forward to stretch out toward oneself forward. Damien, can you stand up and reach as high as you can? Let's, let's see it. We don't believe you. All right, I want you to reach further. Okay, you just lied. In church. We believe in life If I say for each and every one of us, raise your hand as high as you can, and just like Damien to the extent, I'll say reach it further, somehow you grow a little bit more. We'll reach it further. We'll reach it further. 
I told you at the very beginning to reach as high as you could. Now reach it further. Reach it further. I'm about to dislocate my arm. Uh, but that's what faith is. It's believing. I believe that my sins are forgiven. I believe. I've got, I got saved August 27th, 1990, and in the mail, I did not get, here's your card to go to heaven. Maybe you got one from an angel or something, but I have never got a salvation card from heaven saying, here you go, whenever you get to the pearly gates, hand this in, and you're going to receive it. But I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm reaching forward that when I die, I'm going to heaven, and I'll be with Christ. I might be going through something in life, and I'm, I'm believing you, God, and God's going to say, reach further, believe a little bit more, believe a little bit more. Come on, you can do it, and I'm stretching myself, and you'll be stretching yourself, as you say, as your mind is racing, saying, what are you believing for? What are you saying? How can you believe a book that, that, that that's old? You believed once that God would do this, and he didn't show up. Why would you believe it again? No, I'm going to keep stretching. I'm going to keep stretching myself, believing what he has. When you watch football, and they're on the one-yard line, the quarterback hikes the ball. He hands it off to the running back. The running back runs and jumps over the line. And what he does is he stretches that ball out, knowing that as soon as he gets it across, not the back part of the front line, but the front part of the front line, that it's a touchdown. Now, not every yard does the running back do that? But when he knows that the prize is that close, when he knows that the win is that close, he will do whatever he can to stretch and reach forward to obtain the prize. I wrote this down to encourage you. You need to know the touchdown promise that Jesus paid for you and stretch your, face ac your faith across those blessings of the new covenant. You need to stop looking at the past and focus on pursuing the faith righteousness, love, and peace. And when you let go of the past, when you forget and give and forgive and let go of that past, you have the opportunity to stretch your faith forward into what God has for you. And ultimately to press and pursue after Him. And the last thing I have, and I'm finishing with this, is verse 14. The reason we're called what we're called. Philippians 3, 14 says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I'm pursuing. That's what you should be pursuing. That's what you should be pressing forward, the upward call of God, the goal, the prize. The Scripture says that we go from glory to glory. The Scripture says that we go from faith to faith. I'm not going backwards. I'm not going to fall back into that same sin cycle. I'm not going to fall back into believing what I used to believe. I'm not going to fall back into questioning, is God real? Is God this? Is God that? No, no, no. He's answered. He showed up. I'm going to stretch myself forward and believe that God is who he says he is. I'm going to believe that his word is what it says, and I'm going to keep pursuing it until I see the prize manifest in my life, in my family's life, in my church, in my community. I'm going to press toward the prize. The word press is the word diako, D-I-O-K-O, and it means to run swiftly in order to catch a person or a thing. To run swiftly in order to catch a person or a thing. There's a story in Mark chapter 5 of a demon-possessed man who can't be contained. It says that ropes and chains 
could not contain him. And the only place that he could find peace and be away from everybody was in the tombs, in the graveyard. And as soon as he saw Jesus and his disciples get off of the boat, it says that he took off running as fast as he could and he fell down at Jesus' feet. Although he was controlled by demons, although he had demonic influence in his life, he made it a priority. I am going to let go of the past. I am not going back to those graveyards. I'm not going back to that torment. I'm not dealing with that anymore. And I'm going to my Savior as fast as I can because I know that if I stretch myself out and worship in front of him and I pursue him, that there will be freedom. And we read the story, he cast the demons out of him, and the people from the town come and see, and if you keep reading that story in Mark chapter 5, it says that he is clothed, and he is in his right mind, and he is sitting next to Jesus. Things that he never could do beforehand, he was naked, he was running wild, and he couldn't stay still in the tombs, in the graveyards, as he was trying to obtain peace. After meeting Jesus, he received the prize of freedom, he received the prize of salvation, of encountering Jesus, and he was clothed. He was in his right mind, and he was sitting there. And Jesus says, go out there and tell the people what I have done. What about the woman with the issue of blood? If you keep reading Mark chapter 5, she goes all over, spends all of her money trying to get answers from the doctor of this disease, of this issue, and nobody can help her except help her take all her money. And she hears about Jesus, and she says, if I can just go to him and touch the hem of his garment, not talk to him, not shake his hand, not put money in his hand, not hug him, if I could just barely touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And she starts this journey of pressing toward Jesus. She lets go of all the doctors, of all the pain, of everything, and she just starts running, knowing in her mind, she keeps saying, when I find Jesus and I touch him, I'll be made whole. When I find Jesus, she's stretching herself. How many doctors have she touched? How many people has she touched asking for help? And no one, when she's touched them, has she felt the release and the, and the release of pain and the freedom and the healing that she needed. But she said, if I could touch that man and I could pursue that man, he'll heal me. And then she finds a whole crowd of people, and she starts pushing these people from side to side to side, and she sees him and reaches out, stretches as far as she can, and touches the hem of his garment. Instantly, she's made whole. She receives the prize after pursuing him. But it's not just you pursuing and pressing after Jesus. Jesus has always pursued and pressed after you. How would I know love unless I know that he loved first, the scripture says. In Matthew, there's a story, Matthew 18. It talks about Jesus as a shepherd leaving the 99 to go and press after the one. To go find the one. He's pursuing the one. He's pursuing you today. Looking for the lost. Looking for those who are struggling and needing help who are needing mercy, who are needing salvation, who are needing love. He's pursuing. He's left everything else. He's put the sheep in the past, and he's saying, I've got to find the one, and he won't stop until he gets to you and pours his love out to you. We are called Press Church because we believe that, one, Jesus is running swiftly after you and me and anybody who walks into this church, and, two, We're called Press Church because we as a congregation are going to run swiftly, as fast as we can, to pursue after Jesus, to grab a hold of him and get the prize of salvation, of eternal glory, but not just to, we'll win when we get to heaven, 
No, I want to win here now on earth. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil here on earth as much as he came to destroy them in the spiritual realm. As a cop, if you watch any type of cop shows, it's interesting when, when there's a, a, a bad guy that's running and you watch the cops chase and pursue after them. And as they're running, they're jumping over cars, they're jumping over fences, not knowing what's on the other side of the fence. Usually there's dogs, there's kids. They're running as the, as the person is running through uh, the highway or the interstate. You just see these people just running, the cops just running full along, chasing after that person. It's something that we can learn as we pursue after Jesus. Because there's going to be things that are going to trip you up in life. And like those cops, they could, they could trip over the car, they could fall over the gate, but they keep getting up and they keep running because they know that they've got to get him. As you run through life, you're going to fall in, you're going to encounter stumbling blocks. Things are going to happen. It rains on the just and the unjust. You're going to fall down, but keep getting back up with the understanding of pressing and pursuing after Jesus. Because if I can just touch him, if I could just get my hands around him, if he could just speak one word to me, it could change my life and my family's life and trajectory forever. That is why we are called Press Church. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about our three core values. Next week will be the bench press. The next Sunday will be the coffee press, and the last week will be the printing press of July. The last thing I have, and I'm finishing, is a statement by Martin Luther King Jr. He says, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Let go of the past. Talk with God about it and release it into oblivion to where you no longer care about it. Pursue the future. Stretch your faith out and believe something that God's going to do for you the rest of this year and press after him in whatever situation that you have. Let's stand up today as we get ready to head out. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word that it will not return void. We thank you, Father, that you have spoken to each and every one of us. You have placed something inside of us. Your voice has resonated inside of our spirit today that there's something that we can do. There's some stage of life that we're at that we need to release something from our past. We need to forgive somebody from our past. We need to let go of something in our past. Maybe we're standing right here in the present and we don't know what our future looks like. We're dealing with an issue and today we decide we're going to find a scripture and we're going to stretch ourselves. We're going to believe that God is going to do something that nobody else could do. We're going to believe that even though we don't see the answer, even though we don't see the resolution, that through you, God, the resolution is coming in the name of Jesus. And Father, we all today recommit ourselves to pursue and press after our Savior, Jesus Christ to passionately run after him, to pursue him. No matter what trips us up in life, we will get up. It says, though a righteous man falls, he will get up and he will keep running. He will keep pursuing. I will keep running after Jesus. I will chase him down because I know that there is a prize that he has for me. There is salvation. There is healing. There is freedom. There is anything that I need. It says, you're going to meet our needs according to your riches and glory. Father, I thank you for this congregation here. I thank you that they have the mind of Christ. I thank you for this congregation. Your scripture says that they are healed and whole and that by Jesus' stripes, they are already healed. Father, there are people that are not here today because they are not feeling good. And in the name of Jesus, we release your healing power into their rooms, into their hospital rooms right now. The peace of God, fill their room and fill their body now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that everyone here is blessed. They are the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. 
Father, I thank you that everything they put their hands to must prosper because the favor of God is on their life. And Father, finally, I thank you that they are the salt and light of the earth, the city set on a hill that they refuse to be hidden. Father, we will go out and we will share our testimony with everyone we come in contact with because if it changed our lives, we know it can change anybody else's lives. Now, Father, bless your people as they go out and celebrate this 4th of July weekend. Father, keep them safe. Protect them. Father, protect all the fingers and toes of everyone who will be dealing with fireworks and those that are cooking on grills and all that. Father, protect them today in Jesus' name and bring them back safely next week. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Happy 4th. We'll see you all next week. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.